Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back and happy Friday, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully. He's Gordon Mack. On today's show, we'll talk about Ilya Kipchoge, some collegiate records with some question marks around them, an update on Big Brother and Shakira Richardson. We'll also preview the weekend. Gordon, how are you doing, sir? Doing good. Happy Friday to you. That's it. Man, Gordon, a man, you know, a few I mean, words this... here on Friday. Yeah, a few Usually words. you're like... You say, happy Friday to you, uh, the Sixers did something, and I woke up four seconds ago, you know, there's usually a little bit of Gordon banter, I'm dunking, just straight to the point today, all business. Yeah, straight to the point. This is going to be the most efficient podcast we've done ever. That's the goal. I'm trying to up my efficiency numbers with podcast okay. talk. So it'll be done in eight minutes, basically. It's only going to be the good exactly. Just talk in 30-second sound bites the entire time, if you could. If you're watching okay. live, comments on the YouTube page. Also, we'll ha- we have the voice or the call-in line. I shouldn't say voicemail line. The call-in line active. So here's how it's going to work, and I'll mention this again in, in a little bit. If you want to call in, it's just going to be audio, so we won't see your face. But if you want to call in with a question, you need to send a DM. Uh-oh, Gordon's down. You okay, bud? Yeah, it's just my mic. Okay, rough start, rough start here, but we're gonna we're gonna rally. So you send a DM to the FlowTrack Twitter account, just your name and question, and then if we have time, uh, we'll follow up with call-in instructions of how to to get on the show. So DM the FlowTrack Twitter account. The DMs are open. Just put your name, question, and then Gordon will be monitoring those, and Gordon will be telling you how to get on the show, and then you'll connect, and we'll have through the power of Colts audio wizardry you will be able to ask the question to us or comment question and or DM, comment we should say and, and dm the flowtrack twitter account not the flowtrack podcast twitter account yes i know that you follow both i know that we follow both instagram accounts so many accounts to keep track of but put it there you can hear your voice uh, on the air it'll be fun um okay <laughs> actually before we go any further we got a funny question here because I texted you something similar last night. So one of our listeners is very in tune. Uh, Sarah Likes Penguin says, now that we know that Sam Tanner went pro and signed with Puma, did the UW coach text you back? <laughs> uh, he did text me back that he actually did text me, but he said, Sam is not running indoor. So he mm-hmm. made it seem like, oh, okay, he has, he's, he's redshirting indoor and is going to run outdoor. But then obviously... He was not running indoor because he's going to pro. But I did get the phrase, Sam is not running indoor from the text. Just not a Sam is uh, yeah. leaving the team. So Maybe the ink wasn't dry yet on the that's what I think. pro signing. I think that's that what it was. And it was, yeah. it's true. Sam's not running indoor for, for UW. Yeah. Going to exactly. run indoor for, for Puma now, but going pro. Okay. Let's jump in. A couple of interesting stories coming out of that Texas Tech meet where we had Ruth Osoro and we had Terrence Jones setting collegiate records. Let's start first with Ruth Osoro because there's been reporting that came out that said that she did not actually break the collegiate record. They're saying that the 1476 was measured 
correctly but stated wrong and it was actually supposed to be a 13.76 and her coach later on after the meet looked at the video saw it said well, that's not a 14.76 jump and it has subsequently been removed from the descending order list reading the article here in the lubbock avalanche journal it says meet officials at the season opening corky classic reported Rosoro's attempt of the competition at 1476 tech coach wes kitley said wednesday he believed it was actually 1376 45 feet one and three fourths inches instead of 48 feet five and a quarter so a difference there of an entire meter which it is not a surprise that a jump coach would be able to pick that up from video here's the thing you got to be pretty good for people to believe that you set a collegiate record, even when you're off by that much. I think this speaks a lot to how good Ruth Osoro is. It's like, oh, that's believable. 1476, smashing the record. Now she jumped uh, 1450 before. So this was not too difficult to believe. But they even mentioned in the article, Gordon, just her reaction wasn't fired up. Because jumpers know. Jumpers know right away because that's why you see them someone flying out of the pit pumping their fist they know when they've hit a big one so looks like it was just an honest mistake and it's been corrected and now it's down it's listed down as a, a 1347 instead of a collegiate record mark so couture orgy's mark still stands yeah because if you look at her previous jumps previous jumps were 1316 and 1347 so it's not like she was 14-2, 14-3, and then 14-7, you know, it was, yeah. that that mark makes more sense based on also the previous marks that she had in her in her jumps. So, all is okay. So, she ended up losing that meet. She uh, lost to her teammate, Ruta Lasman. So, mm -hmm. big congrats yeah, to Ruta Lasman, who is now your Corky Classic 2022 victor. You go from collegiate record holder to getting second in the meet in a matter of moments. Kitley also said normally in these situations, other coaches are nearby and they're able to, or the coaches nearby and able to correct, hey, you said 14 and you actually meant 13. But at this meet, the coach was over at the high jump apron getting stuff set up or coaching over there. So he wasn't able to actually witness it as it happened and and er, and correct it as it happened. So I don't think this is something that's going to happen at NCAA championships because there's going to be way more eyes on it, but it is one of the interesting parts of track and field because you have so many things going on, which means there's so many possibilities of things going wrong and marks being misread or mismeasured or officials making the wrong call, and it's impossible to stay on, on top of all of it. So glad they, glad they caught it now, glad they figured it out and straightened it up, but she's obviously capable of getting the record in the future. I mean, we know she jumped 14 and a half meters, which is not too far off Katora Orgy's mark, but it will have to come on another day. The other story that you found was in the men's 60. Why don't you break that one down for us? Yeah, so if we can bring up the video of the men's 60, Terrence Jones. Uh, this was discovered by a bunch of people on Twitter. Obviously, 645 plays your record. You're like, what? And I remember bringing up his 100-meter PBs. It's like, this is crazy. Who goes from this to this? Just like that. Uh, there's a video, which we, which uh, Travis, you can bring up the, the slow-mo video, where he might have false started. Now, there's a slowdown version of that race. You look at, I believe it's in lane four. Mm -hmm. And he gets a massive head start. Look at that. He is almost like half, his body's almost halfway up before mm -hmm. the rest of the field goes. So. That could have been a missed false start. And it makes you think, like, in these meets that aren't, like, you know, IAAF sanctioned, or I guess World Athletic sanctioned with, you mm -hmm. know, professional meet organized, uh, meet starters and all this stuff, and, like, the technology of the, the blocks, where it just happens at a college, you have to think a lot of false starts get missed in general, right? Think about a, a meet where you're running, like... Yeah. 4,200s after and after over and over again. How often mm -hmm. is the starter going to see every single false start? And it kind of, it can not that be, be, be that big of a deal because whatever, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a college meet or a participation type meet. 
But when it comes to a race where there's a 645 in the result, you want to make sure you get that one right. And uh, it looks like the starter made a miss here. Um, I don't think it means he ran like 660. Like, I think it's he mm -hmm. still could run sub 650. Uh, but mm -hmm. based on that start, you got to think that 645 is not a true 645. So um, in my rankings, I still ranked uh, yeah. Michael Williams ahead of Terrence Jones. And it looks like that's a good reason for that because Mike Williams has shown it. He ran 648. I don't think there's any false starting controversy with his mark. But Terrence Jones is going to have to show up and maybe do it again to kind of get, I guess, track Twitter on his side of a legitimate <laughs> 640 type runner. Well, I mean, he ran 653 in the, in the prelims in this meet. So he's a legit guy. He, he may yeah. not be able to match 645 this year, but he's a legit guy. The other problem, other than all the meets not necessarily having the same setup from the technological side of it, is video. Because the first video people saw, and the, the video that most people saw was from the Texas Tech shot. Go back, yes, this one, where you have no clue. I mean, you could maybe you could zoom in and enhance, but you don't even really know what's going on until 40 meters into that race. It's very hard to pick up on the start, especially if you're not anticipating looking for a false start. Now, if this had traditional TV type setup with cameras, that would be the first thing people noticed. And all the comments would be, wait, what? Hold on. Did he just get insane reaction time and the other seven guys didn't? Is he the only one who heard the blocks? This angle that we're putting up now, totally different. And the and obviously the one that PJ Vizel posted where it's slow-mo, you can see even better. But that's the other part. Not all these meets have the same benefit of video evidence that we all can over, you know, comb over time and time again, like we would with other sports and say, hey, is that, is that what we think it is? But I, I, I still think the guys, I mean, I had him in my top 10 world rankings based on the 645. So. Yeah, there was a, a main camera crew. There was a main camera crew there. It just was on ESPN plus and no one knew about it. Uh, I was kind of buried in the ESPN world. Um, well, how many times have you seen that clipped out versus how many times have you seen the the Texas Tech one clipped out. Yeah, because people weren't watching the stream. They were just watching when the coach tweets the their own phone version of it. That's why. Right. You know. Yeah. Not the coach, probably the social media guy. Maybe the social media guy or whoever is in the stands. <laughs> like, oh, fast sixty. I'm going to film it. It's, you know, okay. It's a six yeah. second video. On my. It's a Vine. So it'd be so. it'd be interesting to get that it'd be interesting to get that TV footage from it. The more traditional camera, higher quality, and actually see but yeah the mark is still there i mean there, i still though. think he's good what mark do you do still with the there. they're not going to take away the mark you can't take away the mark because you can't prove i can you, you what are you gonna are you gonna double check every start from every hmm. race uh, that's ever been run like there has to be an expectation that if you're an official meet official an official timer it's on you guys to sign off on every mark that you put on your you put on the sheet so it's kind of on the timer like the timer wants to reject it it's gonna be on the timer to reject it after the yeah. fact so it makes me think we put a lot of trust in timers oh yeah you know what i mean oh yeah especially when yeah. it comes down to hundreds of a second like mm -hmm. we can always eyeball a time for a distance race or whatever but when it comes down to hundreds of a second we're just mm -hmm. trusting the timer. Timer's camera technology is not malfunctioning, that it's perfect, that there's no delay. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of track field. The, the people they trust most in all of the world is whoever the timer is at that track meet. A lot of oh, trust yeah. in timers. Yeah. That's why it takes them forever to set up. And if you walk anywhere near the timing setup before a meet, you just get yelled at because there's a lot of pressure. doesn't matter if it's high school, college, or pro. That's a universal feeling in track and field. Also, the wind, like you're counting on the wind gauge to be correct too, because that has a huge impact on how you view a race historically. And you're right. If it hundreds of a second change entire careers, change record books, change team scores. And it's tough to figure out, um, like, I don't think there's a better way to do it. I just think sometimes there's going to be 
human error involved because there's human error involved in all elements of sports, no matter how fast technology improves. But I want to see him race again. I obviously want to see him race again. If he does another 650 low, maybe him and Williams can push themselves to go to 645. That's not crazy. No, it's not crazy at all. People are just always getting faster. We always think this is the year. This we're, Nothing's going to beat this year. We, no one can ever get faster. And then a year later or two years later, oh, nope, never mind. That, now this is the year that no one can get fast. I remember the, like the Christian Coleman, Sydney, Michael Norman type era in an indoor mm-hmm. meet when it was like people were arguing with the greatest indoor meet of all time. Coleman was, was like all these fast yeah. U20, U20 records and world records and collegiate records. And there was a, Please record in the 800, I think. I think uh, Saruni won, whatever. But we always like, this is it. No one's going to beat this. And then a year later, we're now having almost collegiate records or technically collegiate records in January, mm-hmm. you know, eight weeks out before NCAAs. Do you think there would be more scrutiny if it wasn't tying the collegiate record and if you got it outright? If it was 644 instead of 645? Or do you think their hands are tied regardless? I think their hands are tied. I mean, I'm not sure what the official rule books are of how the NCAA or your coaches association handles ratifying collegiate records. I don't really think there's a ratification process for collegiate records. It's kind of like, all right, you did it. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they'll just hope that he, that someone breaks it. So it's not number one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, okay. So if he did, if you just take his 653, even with the altitude conversion, that bumps the time up, he'd still be fifth in the country. So this guy, don't confuse him may maybe not getting the collegiate record. Like, don't confuse the 645 maybe coming with a false start that he's not a player. He is. This guy is going to be yeah. a name to be reckoned with this year in the NCAAs. So, and internationally too, because if you're running that quick as a freshman, you got a very bright future. But the only guys, there's only a couple guys faster than him this year. And we're going to see... In two weeks, they'll run it back at Tech, or a week and a half, or a week and a couple of days now, correct? Because Texas Tech goes on that every two-week schedule, pretty much. Well, they have a week. They have a meet this weekend. Okay, never mind then. They can run. It. He can run it back yeah. tomorrow, tonight. <laughs> exactly. They have a meet this weekend. Yeah, I thought they were going every other, but no, no. Okay, well, making as much use out of that facility, have a meet every week. Good, good for them. Yeah. Okay. Red Red Raider Open. Tonight. I wonder if uh well then it's then it's a Texas Tech open and multis the following weekend. Yeah, there's just plenty of opportunities to race there. So him him and Osoro, it'll be interesting. All right, starting the show with uh Texas Tech talk. That's great. Uh Colt will like that. Bruce or Colt, big 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 twelve guy. So he'll appreciate all the tech talk. Uh Ily Kipchoge. Gordon. Ily Kipchoge. Remember he was not on the list, even though everybody else was to run Boston, but Japan Running News posted the headline, Kipchoge to run Tokyo Marathon if it happens and he can get into country. So there's a lot of qualifiers there, which perfectly <laughs> states the current situation going on in the world. And and there's an article in there from Yahoo in Japan says they obviously want Kipchoge to run. He said before he wants to run all the majors. He has yet to run Tokyo. What do you think? of his decision if he ultimately does decide to run in Tokyo? Well, I mean, I'm kind of more thinking about the whole headline, if it happens and if he can get into the country, which is hilarious. You know, that's never yeah. been a thing, but now it is. Uh, that's true. Both of those things are true and uh, obstacles for this to happen. Correct. But I'm, what I'm, what I'm, not to ignore the Tokyo story, but if one of those does happen, if it does get canceled or if he is – denied access to the country, would he be like, I'm doing Boston? And does Boston all of a sudden become a, a Bekele, Kipchoge showdown 3.0, I guess it is, or whatever, how many times they've raced up against each other? I don't know, but it's not a fair fight anymore. Kipchoge would be the massive no. favorite. You look at that field, if Bekele, based on what he did in – 2021, a top five finish for Bekele would be huge. 
I want to see him run anywhere. I obviously prefer Boston because I want to see him on the iconic course. And that field is so good. And if you add Kipchoge in there, it's undoubtedly the best Boston field ever assembled because they'll, they'd have everybody at that point. Yeah. Virtually everybody. Part of me However, feels like there's going to be some Boston and Boston meat organizers are going to try to figure out a way. It's like, let's just make sure that Tokyo race doesn't go down <laughs> as planned so we can pull Mr. Kipchoge over to uh, the U.S. Yeah. I mean, he said he wants to run all six. He told you famously in one of the greatest interviews ever conducted in track and field media history that he wants to run one on a ship. What type of ship, we don't know. But he's got some goals. But doing Boston this year would be special because it's never going to be this deep again because London is going to be back in the spring for 2023. And the fields will be split. And as of this year, Boston has everything to itself. And it's going to be the strongest field. So I'd like to see him run in Boston. And then it's just an added bonus that it would be awesome to see him go against one of the deeper fields of his entire career. He's running against really tough competition in London. Don't get me wrong. It's not as if he has something to prove. But if we're going to see him get pushed, it would be in a race like Boston where you have seven of the last eight champions. You have Jeffrey Camor in the field. You have, yeah, the wild card there in Bekele. What, uh, where has he not run yet? I guess it's just uh, New York. Has he run in New York yet? He has not run New York. He has not run Boston. Okay, so New York, Tokyo, and Boston. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. He ran Chicago at the very beginning, which people forget about, and he beat Bekele in that race and that was towards the beginning of his run and it was seen more as huh this guy who was a gold medalist a long time ago on the track was able to upset Pekele. that's a that's a pretty neat story no one was thinking oh this is he's gonna become the greatest men's marathoner in history so listen i want to see this i want to see him run a real marathon more than i want to see him do another time trial so if i were to rank the priority, I would put the time trial type thing that we've seen last. Um, then I would put all the other marathons in one bucket. And then I put New York and Boston in the highest priority for me to see Kipchoge run. And part of that is because I want to see him run on those historic courses. And as, as an American who's followed those races for years, it would just be cool to see the greatest marathoner on the men's side in history run. In the same way said this comparison a bunch of times i wanted to see bolt at hayward and i think it's a bummer and it's a failure of track and field as a whole not any one person not any one entity but it just it sucks <laughs> track as a whole that we never got to see usain bolt at hayward field we got to see him at franklin field at penn and that was amazing but there should have been a way to get usain bolt to hayward field and we never saw it it makes sense now that I think about why he would do Tokyo because if I'm trying to project out his career, he could then do like, I think doing New York, Tokyo back-to-back is a lot hard. It's a lot shorter of a time frame than doing New York, Boston back-to-back. Okay. Because you have an extra month of training if he's trying to get all three out of the way before. But I think he's trying to go all the way to Paris. So maybe he can still spread it all out before Paris. He's probably going to re- – would he retire in Paris? I don't know. This man, no, he's a just, machine. It feels like he's never going to lose ever again in his life. No, it doesn't. But, but he is going to, and I don't want him to go to New York and Boston when he's on the downturn of his career. Because I want to see him yeah. go against a tough field. or I want to see him try to get a course record. That's what we want to get out of Kipchoge. We don't want to see it just as his career is winding down and he shows up just to make an appearance and he's not himself. We're lucky that he's been himself, as you mentioned, forever and seeming like his prime is never going to end. But we got to got to capitalize on it. And get him to New York and Boston. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see that. All right. Next story, uh, updating a story from Wednesday's pod. About Shakira Richardson and celebrity Big Brother. Um, Her representative, Ashley Blackwood told TMZ 
Quote, Shakira was contacted months ago to be on Big Brother and declined. All coverage on her participating are false and simply just rumors. So, she will not be competing in Celebrity Big Brother. Gordon. That's a bummer. I mean, it would have been fun to have a, a star U.S. athlete in uh, like a, a random reality show. I know we had Mo Farah do his thing overseas, but to see something to happen more stateside would be interesting. I'm sure she would be a fun, wild character in that situation. It'll be mm-hmm. just lots of meme opportunities and uh, reaction gif opportunities yeah. uh, to screen record um, that we won't get. But hey, maybe it shows that she's focusing on the track, right? And she's like, I don't have, I, I don't have time to do a three-week thing. I got to mm-hmm. get focused for 2022 and uh, do my best there. Um, it is interesting, though. I guess how does that leak? I don't know. Like, I guess she was – maybe they saw, like, a preliminary list, and they were like, oh, everyone's going to say yes. Why would someone say no, right? Maybe that's probably why. I don't know. But I think it says here that the it's going to premiere on – I don't know how they shoot this thing because it says it's going to premiere on February 2nd. Do they do it almost in real time? Is that how it works? Because missing three weeks right now would be tough. I assumed it had already yeah, happened, th- basically. Th- that was my thought, is yeah. that it had already happened during like, December or something, and then they had the list of people who were competing, and it got leaked that way. But do- taking three weeks now would be pretty tough. Well, I always thought there was like a premise behind Big Brother that it was like live. Okay, you could be right. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't okay. know. But maybe for celebrities, it's not life. I don't know. This is hey, this has become a big brother. Uh, guess who's not watching podcast. it this season? I don't, I don't like it. Who? Guess who's not watching it this season? Me, because she's not on it. Me? So big brother, celebrity yeah. big brother lost at least two viewers. And we'll never say the. I don't know how CBS is going to be able to <laughs> make up for the loss of your viewership and mine. Well, all the track fans. Gordon, there's a big group out there That's who will not be, tuned, not be tuning in anymore. Um, the documentaries still or came out, I guess, yesterday. I need, to, I need to see if I can check that out this weekend. But, yeah. So, no no, no, big brother for Richardson. I don't know if she's going to run indoors. We haven't seen any plans about running indoors. Maybe she'll just wait until outdoors. There's a lot of Florida meets I saw this year. And she's training down in Florida. So, a lot of opportunities to stay close to her training base and compete. So I don't know how much uh, competition she'll be doing. There has to be a high demand for her, right? If you're a meet director, you want her at the race and all the attention and excitement that it brings. What's next on the rundown? Yeah, you really are efficient. Ah, here we go. We got another team going. (laughs) You can't tell me you're going to be efficient. You can't tell me you're going to – oh, should we make the, the call-in line still open? Send a direct message to FlowTrack's Twitter account, name and question. Name and question to the FlowTrack Twitter account. You want to call in. Gordon's going to let me know if someone wants to call in. Another Pen Relays announcement. We talked about Houston. We got South Carolina now. The Gamecocks will be there. They were big winners in 2019. Won the 4x2, 4x4, and the shuttle hurdle relay as well. So adding on to the list of programs, remember that meet will be live on FlowTrack at the end of April. Yeah, and South Carolina is always good about kind of having unknowns have their breakout seasons with them. Like, you know, Quincy Hall at – Came out, and I I knew who he was because I was following. But like, to the, the general public, kind of had a breakout year in his four hundred hurdles. You have uh, Wadalyn Jonathan, obviously, she had coming from a D two world to South Carolina, then it's now a consistent forty nine second woman. It's, South Carolina knows how to find that hidden talent and then expose them to the world. So we'll see who they have this year in twenty twenty two. This weekend on Flow Track, we have BU meet getting going. We got meet in New Mexico. Um, what are you looking forward to seeing 
just in the entire world of of track and field. Sometimes it goes on that every other week cadence, and last week was pretty big. We had a lot of big stars running and big collegiate programs running. So we don't know how many people are going to be running this weekend. But when you look at the whole landscape, what do you what do you have your eye on? Well, first of all, I have my eye on the the meets that are live streamed on Flow Track. You got the BU Battle in Beantown in Boston mm-hmm. live on Saturday, and then we also have the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Invitational in New Mexico and Albuquerque on Saturday mm-hmm. as well. So potential some fast sprints there in uh, the Southwest. And then we also have live on Miles Split, the um, Sundown Track Classic, which is an outdoor meet in Arizona, but it's going to be featuring none other than the Newberry Park distance men. So seeing some fast high schoolers, Run outdoor miles, 800s, 3200s. And we have mm-hmm. two great indoor meets, one in Boston, one in Albuquerque. Outside of those live events, I think uh, we kind of have a couple of cool, like, middle distance type races I'm kind of eyeing out. I mean, notably, Luis Grijalva, now with Hoka, is going to be eyeing a sub four in Flagstaff mm-hmm. at 7,000 feet in the dome. Sub four in the dome. At 7,000 feet, it's basically equivalent to like a 351 mile. So it's quick. It's going to be hard to run 359 <laughs> at 7,000 feet because it's like running 351. Um, but he notoriously tried this in 2020 after the pandemic hit. And yeah. they were all pumped to go crazy at uh, NCAA indoors. That was taken away from them right before the meet started. So when they traveled back to flag, they did their own little time trial with uh, Tyler Day and Grijalva and a few others. And Grijalva ran like a, f- a 4 I'm not sure exactly what it was. It was yeah. sub 405, maybe 402, 401, 403 in range. Because just out of pure, you know, not spite, but like just kind of anger, the anger and the sadness that you know you're not going to be able to complete your collegiate season. Um, so... He has a history of running fast miles there, and now he knows, like, hey, maybe this would be the moment to get 359. You get to see the fruits of all of his base training. He's now training under um, Mike Smith still. So, <laughs> New coach, Mike yeah. Smith. There's a New coach. Uh, Tyler Day came on the pod. I was going to say, Tyler Day told that story. He, we had him on the pod. I don't know if you remember this. Maybe it was Lincoln and yeah. I who interviewed him in 2020, and he told the story of – Grijalva's mile time trial and he gives he gives the time and I think I think it was just him doing it I think everybody else was like all right time to move on he's like no yeah I'm fit <laughs> no. I'm running it I'm pissed I remember how angry he was after the on site when the meet got canceled because you and I were there and he's like we gotta do something schedule a race flow track I was like, I can't I don't I love like timing I left my timing equipment at home. I don't. I. I. I feel terrible that you guys can't run. This is, sucks for everybody. Um. So yeah, go back and find that pod. Tyler tells that whole story, which is pretty, which is pretty cool. Um. Do you ever think about that meet, and us being there, and how weird that was? So strange. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Feels like it wasn't that long ago. But it is kind of long ago. It's two years ago. Almost. Yeah, and we were we were just sitting around waiting for the meet to start. And then little by little, everything was getting canceled. And then people were crying and coaches were having to give the bad news. And then you look up and Matthew Bowling's running at 200 against some random kids in the middle of the – it was so weird. It was just – it was surreal that whole afternoon. And then we're like, all right, all right we'll be back in a month. <laughs> that was my well, that, like yeah. It sucks now, but, you know, we'll be yeah, back soon. Well, well, and I remember a lot of the coaches were like, well, I get to spend more time with my family. Get a vacation. I haven't had one of those in a while. And then you're like, wait, wait, no. You probably didn't get I – mean, you got time with your family for sure, but I don't think you got any vacations. <laughs> out of that. That's true. A lot of time with family, yeah. no vacation. It was just weird how the whole thing came crashing down in a, a matter of a couple of days. But then for us, it was that eight hours at the track was just a weird experience. Because we knew once we got on the plane, because I think they canceled the 
basketball conference tournaments when we were about ready to take off, I think. And then by the time we landed, each conference was shutting down. And and then we were thinking, wait, why would they cancel basketball and just say, hey, track, <laughs> let it rip. They, they're the ski championships were in the middle of skiing like they were halfway through the competition and then they canceled yeah. skiing halfway through just wild so they were like pulling people off i still think yeah. we could have had the meet and we would have been fine you know what's what's what is 48 extra hours of running gonna do if this thing's gonna last two years we can't you know push back the start of quarantining extra two days we'll be fine that's my take we should go back and listen to those. I actually don't want to go back and listen to those pods. Just how naive we probably were about all of it. Cause we were sitting in the bleachers. It, yeah. It was just, it was a, it was a bizarre, like I knew it would be kind of a strange situation, but then for a while there I was thinking, well, we're at a track and everybody's set up to run. I guess, guess this is going to happen. And then seeing something canceled like that. And then not just that, but that the whole season and then and then outdoor just boom everything canceled that quickly i remember talking to the it was a couple of women on the lsu's team and they're like we don't know where we're gonna like our dorms got shut down like we're flying back and it was like i don't know where we're gonna go it's like, wow this got this got pretty serious pretty quickly uh we got a question here from lloyd not a question uh it says i hope shelly ann breaks the world record in the 60 at world indoors what do you think of the world or the world record in the women's 60 do you think it's beatable what is it? Six ninety two from Prevalova, who ran it back in ninety three, and she ran six ninety two three times. Six ninety three American record, Gail Deaver six ninety five. If you go under seven, you're in a very very elite group. But two of the members who have run sub seven recently are Thompson Hurrah and Fraser Price. They both run six ninety eight, so they'd have to drop it by point oh six i think if they did like three meets we could have a chance at it but just don't know how much they're going to run indoors they've they've run indoors in the past like lane thompson has run at world indoors but i don't know this year if they're going to do it it's always a guessing game whether or not they're going to continue to do it so i'm looking at Prevalova's hundred just to get an idea of how fast she ran the hundred I think that if Shelly Ann and Elaine Thompson hurrah, were to go all in on indoors, I think the record would be broken. Problem is, we don't know if they're going to go all in on indoors. Um, mm -hmm. I think indoors is kind of dominated a lot by European and American uh, athletes because we have the most indoor track facilities. So mm -hmm. traveling is not as hard. You can just like go here, there, and boom, you're at an indoor meet. Whereas if you're from the Caribbean or from Africa or from somewhere else, it's a, it's a bigger time investment to like go choose to, to actively pursue an indoor season right. more on a plane. And so, um, I think if they tried, I think they would, I mean, You'd be crazy to not think that Elaine Thompson hurrah after what she did in 2021 can't run 691 in the 60. I bet you she split 691 in that outdoor 100. Oh, of course. For 60 meters. Of so. course, of course. So Prevalova's 100 was 1077. So Thompson hurrah's two tenths clear of that. And yeah. Fraser Price only slightly less. I mean, 1077's legit, but I mean, she was Prevalova, man, she did everything high hurdles, low hurdles, 200. 400. She was subbed 50 in the in the quarter as well. So it's, it's a good record, but I think a lot of it is, yeah, the best women haven't been running consistently in this era indoors. On the men's side of things, we got someone asking about Sue. We're not asking. Saying Sue Bingtian will break the world record. I, I mean, to do that, you got to beat Christian Coleman, which is going to be really hard. 634. I mean, it's, so it was good, 642, but eight one hundreds. That's a significant amount of time there. And Coleman is just low six fours all the way into six threes is pretty pretty straightforward for him. I'm interested to see, you know, I really want to see that Milrose race and I want to see if how much Sue runs this year because he had a great outdoor season. He was 
really good in that in the hundred in the Olympics, and he got caught up in that wave of those fast times. But I just until I see it with my eyes, Coleman get beat in a sixty. I'm gonna pick him. That's a safe pick. Um, another another race that's kind of gonna be interesting is in Michigan. Uh, basically, the that Michigan training group, uh, the very nice track club. They're all gonna be in attendance, running the three k. So you have Mason Furlick, Nick Willis, Hobbs Kessler, um, Zach Ornelas, but mainly it's Kessler, Willis, and Furlick. And with the way Willis is probably fitness wise. It's really a Kessler and Furlick race, but Hobbs Kessler, basically, I guess technically he ran a, a mile and the, that midnight mile, but his, yeah. I would say, official season debut um, in a 3K. Kessler, is Hobbs Kessler, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves because we might have this conversation after we see the result this weekend. Let's do it now. But Hobbs Kessler, is he making a world team, whether it's indoors? Or outdoors in 2022. Is he making a world team? No, I don't think he's in that top three right now. I mean, if I was doing rankings, I wouldn't put him up there. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'll take that away. Do you think he could have an indoor season and or an outdoor season that leading up to the final of an outdoor 15 or an indoor 3K or indoor 15 that his name will be considered maybe you know he'll have like a yeah well yeah he'll be he'll be considered considered a wild card contender yeah listen indoors especially because we don't know who's going to show up but you figure outdoors everybody's coming to play in that in that 1500 and we talked about hawker and centrowitz and Nagoose and angles and he did really well. I mean, last year for a high school kid to make it to the semifinals of the Olympic trials, that's that's impressive. But like here's the list of here's a list of people who qualified for the final. Hawker, Centro, Nagoose, Angles, Wynn, Thompson, Avila, Alexander, Prakel, Sietti, Suleiman, and Rivich. Like, which one of those guys are you for sure 100% that he's going to be better than in 2022? You know, you might have an idea of one or two, but there's also other guys coming up as well. Not necessarily younger than him, but there's guys who are going to be standouts in, in the NCAA this year that could factor in as well. So I think he'll run fast enough to where we, yeah, we're going to consider him, but. I think the next step is making that world champion or making the U.S. championship final outdoors. Yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I don't know. I just think if he goes out there and runs like a an easy seven forty five, seven forty four. Oh yeah. Now that obviously you got, you got to be in the, for like a quick rust buster. You're like, oh, okay, he's fit. Yeah. He might if he gets into a good race. He's running the seven thirties all of a sudden, and then you never know. Yeah. So, I'll he's be a huge challenge. That result forms obviously a huge talent, but you know he's still eighteen. I mean, he'll turn he'll turn sure. nineteen in March, but yeah. he's still just eighteen. And it is interesting though the how the attention shifts because when you're a senior in high school, everybody wants to talk about how fast you are for how young you are, and then you get one year older and you just throw them in the pile with everybody else. Ah, yep, Gessler, hmm. he's on. He's in the start list. That's what happened to Drew Hunter, yeah. right? You're like, oh, yes. Yeah. All right. Drew Hunter, you're just another one of the guys. Yeah. Speaking of eight, 18-year-olds, I did mention the Sundown Track Series, which is live mm -hmm. on Mile Split. Uh, Colin Salmon, Lex Young, and Aaron Salmon are all running. Colin and Lex are running the mile. Aaron is running an eight. I think the race here to watch is the mile with Colin and Lex. No Leo Young. Mm -hmm. But Colin Salmon, hey, he's, Leo? he's the guy. Leo out. I don't know. Leo, where is Leo? I don't know. He's uh, maybe he's gonna rabbit. Maybe he's not feeling well. Maybe he has. Do you think Newbury Park's in trouble? Do you think Newbury Park has a, a depth a depth issue? That they might have a depth issue. They only have Colin Salmon. He he's he's been running out of his mind all year long. I think he's undefeated. If he has lost, it was because he let his teammate beat him. 
running his first track race of the year in a mile mm. outdoors. Weather will probably be good in Arizona. Are we gonna just see a three fifty nine? Like, is that happening? Are we twenty four hours away from a another sub four high school miler to add to the list? You know, I have no idea because we don't know what his training's been like leading up to it. But we are to the point of high school boys sub fours where there's going to be a nonchalant sub four. There's going to be a no hype involved sub four because we've gone the season long anticipation route. Like, will Allen Webb be able to get it or the whole career building towards it to the, okay, we're, you know, and then you have the, the special race. It's all set up at the end of the year. If everything aligns perfectly, they could break four. And then you see more and more guys doing it, more and more guys doing it. And it would make sense that the next step is, yeah, I opened with a 359.8. Then I went to class you on think... Monday. And uh, <laughs> went to class lunch on was good. Well, they, had, they had French bread pizza. And uh, not sure about winter formal this year. Don't know if I'm going to go or not. <laughs> could, I mean, did you feel like Leo Doshbox 359 and during the quarantine event in 2020 in May? Do you feel like that one kind of had a nonchalant feel? No, just because pandemic, we had no idea what was going on. That, I, I okay. kind of throw that portion of the season especially out. It, def, it felt low key, but there was hype around that he, the X, like what's Salmon's PB? 401, right? Uh, I don't know. Oh, what 404. 404. 404. Yeah. Don't want to put too much pressure on the kid, but isn't the expectation that he breaks four? At this point, it is. That's what's crazy. Yeah, so that's why I say it could be a nonchalant breaking of four. Also, if you have, if we eventually get to the point where multiple high schoolers are doing it in the same race and on the same team, then it's really gonna. The story obviously will be, oh, this many guys broke four. But the reality will be like, all right, well, how how much faster than four did they go? Are we talking to someone who can eventually? you know, move up in that threatened Allen Webb's record. Now, that's a long way to go, but it's more about how far under you go now than just can you do it. Yeah, so 12 men have, 12 high school kids have done it. Looking for number 13, lucky number 13. I remember, I mean, I was kind of starting to try to start the nonchalant train when Hobbs Kessler did it, right? Because I was like, eh, 357, it happens all over the place now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think he's going to run sub four, and I think it's going to be a nonchalant sub four. Um, we'll probably make a big deal out of it, but I think they, the Newberry Park has just done so much already that they have figured out a way yeah. to make a sub four feel like a standard without even doing it yet because of yeah. the way they dominate the cross-country season and – their history and yeah and again i don't yeah and i don't know again because we don't know his training but there will be a nonchalant sub four it may not be this weekend in this meet but and it may not be from this athlete but it's coming just because of where that event is going on the high school scene i'm guessing those guys are are they better at the two or the, the the one What do you mean the two or the one? Two mile or the mile? They seem uh, more like two. I mean, two, I, I say they run the two hundred or the one hundred. Like what? Because I mean, obviously they're all great across. Yeah, they're all great across, and yeah, and you know, Nico Young certainly better as the distance goes longer. It appears. I'm not saying that's going to be the case with his brothers, but went to the same high school, same setup in terms of training. But yeah, the era of nonchalant sub fours is upon us. Get ready. I think the I think we're gonna get it next year, and this is how we're gonna get it because next year Newberry Park's gonna have three guys: Leo, Lex, and Aaron Salmon. And what's gonna happen is two of the guys are gonna break four early, and they're gonna have their moment, right? Two of the three, and then there's gonna be another race where those two, and let's assume another a third kid breaks four somewhere on a different in a different state, whatever. There's going to yeah. be a race where like a third Newberry Park kid breaks four, but finishes fourth in a race where you got beat by 
other high schoolers who already broken four who may have run slower than like I could see a situation where three guys run three fifty eight right and then mm-hmm. four months later or three months later, those same three guys win a race running three fifty nine so they run slower, but then there's yeah. a fourth guy who runs three fifty nine and so everyone's like, oh, like we were expecting them to like run three fifty five they only ran 359. Oh, and by the way, a fourth guy also broke four. Like, it's going to be the sub. Oh, by the way, we added another sub four. But really, we were looking for more. Like, there's going to be a moment where the lead up to the race is going to be expecting like 355 or faster. And then it's going to be a disappointment because they run 359. But then there'll be a sub tech be like, oh, but a new guy ran four, sub four. He got yeah. fourth. Yeah. He's from Connecticut. You know, it's- <laughs> I like how specific you got. He will be from Connecticut. Connecticut, get ready. We got a question here from Bill. After Josette Norris's breakout season last year, do you think she's a bigger threat to make the world team in the 15 or the 5,000? She's run 359 for 1,500 and 1,451 in the 5,000. What do you think? Going with 15. If I was her coach which i'm not which is a good thing because i would be a bad coach but if i were i would say go for the 15. i think there's more opportunities in the 15. i think there's more avenues to get top three in the 15. and it's a third of the distance so you get a little you get a little break you don't have to run an extra two months um though i yeah i think i think her best chance is in the 15. and i think it's not just her best chance i think she would be a top three favorite in the 15. Going into the race. So she didn't run the the 15 last year. She ran the five at Olympic trials. I'll read you the top 10 in both. Ready? Here's the 15 from the final. Uh, Perrier St-Pierre, McGee, McLean, Osika, Schlachterhofen, Haymack, Grace Barnett, Aragon, Danny Jones, Jenny Simpson. Actually, I'll just read the finalist. Mara. Yeah, you don't, need, you don't need to go 10 deep. Nikki Hills. That's a lot. Don't, don't, don't no, well, because Sinclair Johnson, Sinclair Johnson is... 12th and Hiltz is 13 okay. And, okay. and they are big time runners. So I wanted to include it because, you know, people have bad race in the final. Here's the 5,000 final. Cranny, Schweizer, Schneider, Abby Cooper, Bahalski, Hennis, Paquette, Norris was eighth, Jorgensen, Verdon, Werner, Matty Alm, Vanessa Frazier, Millie Palandino, and Erica Kemp. I just think it's the 15. I think that's our best shot. Hmm. Trying to think of who else would be. Well, the five is strong. But I think you're right. But 1451 is good. I'm trying to think if there's who the new additions would be. Who's somebody who wasn't in play last time that would be. Like, I anticipate Johnson will be better this year. Anticipate Sinclair Johnson will run faster. She'll be more like the 2019 version where she finished fifth i mean i think ellie hennis is gonna be better training yeah. under mike smith yeah not that current coach it's not mike smith it's more like the col- it's going from college to pro more intense training more focused you don't have to worry about school all that stuff yeah this is tough to figure out i mean i'm, I'm looking at people who didn't even make finals now why do you so five you you're just basically saying cranny and schweiz are going to be locks yeah so it's harder to get one spot than to get two i feel like there's one lock on the 15 okay courier and i feel like there's two locks in the 5k so you're racing for one spot or racing for two go for the two spots you talk me into it there you go a lot of this hinges on that union athletics group with with the newcomers in your athletic, because that's Osika, and then that's Johnson. Eladon, he's also in that group, but they're going to have a heavy presence in that in that women's fifteen. So, if they're running well, that's going to be tougher. But you you talk me into it. I'll say fifteen hundred, which means she should probably do the five thousand. I mean, she could. What? Do the ten. Is a fifteen Thank five you. double off the table? I don't know. Let's not talk about doubles, right? Uh, the whole like scheduling. We'll, we'll get let to me that. that. Later. Let me, let's wait till let me spring my, before we talk about PDF. outdoor schedules. 
up. Let me open the PDF so it can stay on my desktop for the next seven months. Here we go. Uh, anybody got any other questions? Throw them on the the YouTube chat if you're listening live. Uh, Bill follows up, says, Crane clearly wants to go back down to the 1500 if Jerry will allow it. I mean, the 5 and 10 are working well for her, though. Yeah. Don't fix if it ain't broke. You're making teams. Keep making the teams. That's what they yeah. should do. For a while there, that women's five, remember, was looked like it was going to be crazy because you thought you know, Purrier, because she had made the U.S. team in 2019 in the five. You had Houlihan, obviously. Yeah, Shelby. Sch- yeah. Schweizer, Cranny. You had, you know, Frazier had run sub-15. Emily Enfield had run sub-15. Schneider, Kira D'Amato had run fast. There was this whole uh, Shannon Robray, Molly Huddle, Emily Sisson. There's this potential of that being a really deep event. And then it did not end up being that deep for a variety of reasons. And now it's still, it's settled. The dust has settled a bit on it. I still think it's pretty, going to be pretty tough. But I'm going to go with you. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 1500. Norse questions. Any other questions out there? Um, are there any other races this weekend? You haven't, you haven't dug up anybody like debuting in a 700 in North Dakota? Uh, I actually, speaking of debuting, yes, I did dig up actually one. There's an interesting debut out in Texas. Where is it? I think it's in, is it in Texas Tech? Uh, in an 800. Where's Texas running? Yeah, eight the eight hundred meters at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Guess who was running an eight hundred for the first time of their career? All right, so it's a Texas athlete because you just you said it. Yeah, is it Jonathan Jones? Correct. So, man who's never run an eight hundred in in college at least, he has a forty four sixty four. PB to his name. Mm-hmm. He only ran 400s and 200s <laughs> his entire career, except for yeah. last week he ran a 600 for the first time, and he ran 115 in a 600. So Jonathan Jones, a career quarter miler, moving up to the 800. Coach I'm Flo really excited just to see what he putting does. him under pressure. <laughs> Coach He's Flo. like, hey, we have enough quarter milers. We need more uh, 800 need runners. More, uh, 800 meter runners. What's the over under? Set the line. Okay, so he's run 44 6, 115. I mean, he's. Sh- Let me look at the field. The field has Bismena and Carroza. Like, it's a good field, so it's going to be quick. They're probably going to run in the 140. I bet he runs 148. Wow. I guess. Which is incredible. That's your line, 148? Well, that's where I think he runs. I put the over-under at 149 flat. No, I'll put the over-under at 149.5. And I th- I'll take the under. This might influence your, your line. You hear me at 115. For the six? Yeah. So that would, if he ran 115 flat, or point what? How many tenths? 115 what? What do you mean? Oh, 115, 61. 115, okay, 115, 61. That ties him for 19th best indoor 600 of all time. Yeah. But uh, here's the thing. He's a, he's a, was that extra 200, was he speeding up or was he slowing down, right? Because he is mm-hmm. a quarter miler. Yep. Extending to the 600 and now extending to an 800. I, you know, I'm just fascinated seeing a guy who's been running 44 seconds. I mean, what's his mm-hmm. best finish at NCAAs? He, he finished fourth at NCAA 400 outdoors in 2019. He was the Big, Ten, Big 12 champion in. So actually, now that I look at it, so he, he ran a lot of his fast times in 2019. Mm-hmm. And then when he came back, he was kind of stuck in like the 45 second range, 46 second range. 
So this might be like, hey, I don't have that 44 second in me anymore, but I can still cruise 45s and 46s. So maybe the 800 is my opportunity. Because oh, so you don't think his, this is just a training run? You think this is serious? Maybe not. This might be a true transition. Because when I look at his 400 in 2021 compared to 2019, his 2021 was all 45s and 46s. His 2019 was 44s and 45s. Yeah. So maybe he's I ran like, diamond hey, I, need a, I need to get out of this and go into D8. But we'll see. Okay. That's what I'm excited. Pretty well. So Brazier's world record in the indoor 600, 113.77. I mean, 115, if he just runs 30 seconds, it's a 145. It's... Well, right. Well, uh, Saruni, 114 high. Loxham and Harris were 114 high. Career, 114.97. So, yeah, he's not out of it by any means. The 115 is a good time for the indoor 600. Yeah. Well, that'll be the race so to watch. Thing, another thing to watch. That's Gordon's. Gordon's super secretive race of the week. There we go. Maybe we can come up with a better name All right. for that. But we're done. Friday's over, man. We're done. Wrap it up. Talk to you Monday. Yeah, I'll talk to you before then probably. I actually got to talk to you about 10 minutes. But for the pod, we're done. Thanks to Colt. Right. Thanks to Travis. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe. And we'll talk to you guys on Monday.